Welcome to Show and Tell. My name's Carrie. This podcast is the brainchild of two learning technologists who work in the NHS in the northeast of England. It came about after countless discussions between us about the digital skills and the digital literacy uh, and the sort of technological awareness of the educators that work within the trust and beyond. We were looking for a way to support these educators with building up the CPD and improving their knowledge of, of technology in learning and improve the outcomes for all of the learners within, within the trust and particularly within the NHS. Each week we'll talk about a different aspect of either learning technology or learning and development in general or the sort of grey area in between the two where the, where the two meet. The hope is that we'll be able to provide educators with some either hints and tips or just some takeaways, some practical ideas to to take away into their own practice. But truth be told, Sarah and I do just chat a lot, so it might very well be that we just end up chatting for a half an hour. Um, But we hope you enjoy it anyway. In today's episode, Sarah and I are joined by the fantastic Stephen Hewitt. He's a workforce development officer based in the trust that we both work in. Um, And he's got an absolute wealth of experience when it comes to -to face-to-face delivery. But obviously, since COVID hit in March 2020, he's had to adapt the way that he's working. So he's had to to develop new skills and uh, and increase his knowledge on how to deliver online. So Sarah and I were really interested to have him on the show just to talk about his personal experiences and how he's found um, having to adapt to this new way of working and how the skills that he had from delivering face to face were transferable uh, into the online environment. So I guess I'll hand over to us three. Get yourself a cup of tea, settle in. It's a good discussion. Enjoy. So in this episode, we're talking about delivering online. So Sarah and I talked in the first episode, didn't we, about um, about keeping up with COVID and how educators within the trust maybe had to adapt to, uh, to new ways of working and how it kind of changed the dynamic within the trust. So in this episode, we want to take that one step further. So we're joined by the absolutely lovely friend and colleague that is uh, Stephen Hewitt. So Stephen, hi. Do you want to give yourself a, a quick introduction there? Uh, yes. Uh-huh. Um, thank you for uh, calling me lovely. I don't often get that. I get many names, but not lovely. Um, yes, I am I'm Stephen Hewitt. I am a workforce development officer within an NHS trust. Um, do you want a little rundown of my background? Or? Go for it, go for it. Um, so I've, I've been working um, in this NHS Trust for just over a year. Um, prior to that, I did eight years that I like to refer to as in the trenches in what I um, tend to um, call like standard education, so further and higher education. And then prior to that, um, I did five years um, in another NHS Trust, NHS Direct, um, and that was learning and development. So you've got a really, really strong background in, in face-to-face delivery, and you're a workforce development officer on the learning and development team at the minute, aren't you? So you, you, your, yes. your sort of primary remit is the design and delivery of, uh, so, you know, the sort of typical standard face-to-face sessions, things like appraisals and recruitment selection, soft skills and things like that. Yep. So when, when COVID first, first hit in March, what happened? Uh, well, initially what happened is we all had to change our pants. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I went dressed to work, that made it right nice. 
Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it was on mass. So it wasn't like we'd been like um, spike relaxatives. Um, it was like a wave of um, panic and a wave of um, self, self-checking self and self-evaluating, really. Um, I am so used to doing face-to-face delivery and across the years that I've done face-to-face delivery, I've created a tool belt. So if something's not going well in a session, you read the room and then you pull out anything that you've got in your tool belt that you think it's, um, anything that you think is going to work and help in that situation. But effectively when that stops and you've got to move to a different method of delivery, it's almost like trying to do a, a self-evaluation to see if the skills that you've got and the, dare I say, the complacency of not embracing different methods of delivery, it really comes to the, um, the, the, the forefront. That's a good point, actually, because Sarah and I have discussed this before, just in sort of general, general day-to-day chat. We've talked, haven't we, about, about how you get sort of you can get quite comfortable in the way that you do things. You get, you reach a point where, where it's sort of minimal, minimal improvements that you're making to your face-to-face delivery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or yeah, because, yeah. Well, yes. Yeah, exactly. And that, that's not necessarily a bad thing. No, definitely not. Because then as you develop your practice, you know what works well. So then that it becomes part of your standard practice. As and when you try new things, if they don't work, you try them again after you adapt them. If after a couple of times they then don't work, then you, you tend to avoid that. But when you are used to delivering face-to-face and that's no longer an option that's available, but there's still a need to get the, the learning across, um, then it, it's, it's quite daunting. It, it, it's, it's quite a steep learning curve. It didn't. It didn't happen straight away, though, did it? So face-to-face training was. It was all stood down almost immediately. Sort of almost effective yes. immediately when, when our first kind of waves of lockdown hit. So how how long was it before before online delivery was was discussed? Um, I think dramatic pause there. <laughs> um, I think. Um, it was about four or five weeks. I'm not 100% sure because, in all honesty, 2020 has felt like it's been a decade. <laughs> I just I read something funny on Twitter before that said, um, said something like, uh, 2020 feels like an episode of Black Mirror. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it feels, feels like Charlie Brooke has written it. <laughs> totally, totally. Um, yeah, so, so, so about four or five weeks. I mean, when you're used to delivering multiple sessions per day uh, per day when you used to deliver in multiple sessions per week four or five weeks without any face-to-face training it's probably it's probably the longest you've gone in 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 over a decade not doing any face-to-face training um well no um because when i worked in um in further and higher education there would be essentially um, two months where you wouldn't necessarily be doing face-to-face delivery over the summer but you'd still be in preparing resources um, but um, it's th- th- there's quite a difference between 
working in um, in standard what I class as standard edu education, so your, um, your your schools and your further and higher education um, establishments, um, it, it's almost um, quite a different ethos and approach to when you're doing work-based learning mm. um, and work-based work delivery. Um, but initially when the world is, um, is turned upside down, and the only certainty is uncertainty, that four or five weeks felt like a very long time. Yeah. But for somebody, who, for, for somebody who's comfortable with what he knows around technology, um, fine, I can do some snazzy things on PowerPoint, I can do some snazzy things on Padlet and with QR codes and, oh, that's technology at its finest in my head. But essentially when you've still got that need to get really core learning across and then you're having to learn how to almost teach yourself how to teach on those different platforms it's it's quite um it's, it's quite a shock it's like running into a swimming pool that you think's heated and they've switched the heating off <laughs> that's a that's a fantastic analogy <laughs> But I want to keep it clean because it's before the watershed. <laughs> very, yes, very, very wise truth. Um, I just wanted to ask, I was reading an article by Paul Joyce, who is the Deputy Director for Further Education and Schools, and he was talking about competence and confidence, which was really interesting to me because I thought, well, those are your two key things, really, with online delivery. It's... <sighs> It's, I suppose, there's almost like an extra layer to you being able to impart your knowledge onto the learner. So it's almost like you have the, the knowledge, skills and the experience, but actually it's your confidence and competence with technology that stands in the way of that almost. So I kind of was just wondering, he talks about training being crucial. What kind of things do you think would have helped and supported in that situation? So what kind of things did you feel like you, you needed? Uh, a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant question. Um, <laughs> um, in all honesty, initially, when we had to stop straight away, and when there was potential talk around redeployment um, during the, the initial um, coops and the coops of the first wave, then working on different projects like um, Nightingale Northeast and different things like that, that was really um, exciting. However, thinking about how we deliver our um our core learning and putting that across using yeah. a different essentially a different method because yes all of the all of the training that you do bearing in mind I, I i got my teaching qualification um i got my teaching qualification in 2008 mm. um mm. so there was very little if anything around digital literacy around online delivery so to be completely honest the bits that i've that i've picked up prior to covid was just me and doing my continual development and looking at different things um when covid hit it was a massive shock and it was kind of like right okay so you can struggle um or you can take things into your um like like take charge of the situation so yeah. one of the things that i found really really helpful to improve my digital literacy and my mm -hmm. confidence 
with using online platforms um, to, to, to run sessions and essentially, essentially still to try and create that supportive learning environment, albeit yeah. not a physical one, um, is quite difficult. Um, so what I did is um, uh, the wonderful, fantastic um, Carrie Walton um, <laughs> uh, spoke to me because um, I had a conversation with her and I was concerned about this. And then um, I did a couple of um, online courses around um, delivery online. And yeah. that really helped me. Um, it was through Open, uh, is it Open Learn, Carrie? It was, was FutureLearn. So it was one of the, it was a course on delivering online on, on FutureLearn. I'll put, the, I'll put the link to it in the show notes, actually. It's a good course. Brilliant. It really is. And um, I came to that course because um, uh, the, the, the run it um, as a, um, in, in synchronized and then they've done it um, and then it's there and you can access it asynchronous, asynchronously. I can't get that word out. <laughs> um, and I came to it after, um, after the, the actual like live delivery over the four weeks happened. And that helped me better dipping into it um, yep. as and when I had ha had time and capacity to do so and I strongly believe that if I hadn't have been reaching out and doing some further development for myself that mm. I would have been much more apprehensive scared and I probably would have tried and run away from <laughs> doing online delivery <laughs> yeah what was your experience in this though Sarah because you 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 were in the same you're in the same boat I know we mentioned last week that you you were working on the safeguarding team at the time. You are, as we record this, you are still uh, still transitioning onto the technology enhanced learning team. I am ready with the balloons to welcome you. Um, but you you had to go through the same sort of thing. You you were delivering a lot of face to face stuff, and you had to suddenly start delivering online. So what was your? What was well, your, I think that's that's probably what prompted us to ask the question because I think I think exactly how you felt, Stephen, was pretty much exactly how I felt, and I think. Um, what what I really think about this whole pandemic, and I think has been really clear, is how behind we are in the educational sector in general. Because digital technologies, and that, it, that point that you made about you doing your teaching qualification in 2008, digital technologies in a session is, it's a nice to have, mm. rather than like a, a you should do. And now it's yeah. like, it's a necessary to have, like you yeah. can't deliver a session without it now. Yeah. So it's so, 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 so can, I, can, can I just ask Sarah, um, yeah. because you're, you're, you're in the processes of getting, uh, processes of finishing off your teaching qualification. Yeah. Um, that correct, yeah? Yes, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, has this still been a nice to have, or has it been pretty much, I know it's a very controversial question, but somebody who, 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 who qualified 12 years ago, mm -hmm. and it was just starting to be something to consider, um, mm -hmm. to now being in 2020, um, mm -hmm. is it something which is like, oh my goodness, this is core, we need to do this, or is it still very much um, seen as like, oh, well, you could do it if you wanted to be clever. It's very much seen as, well, I say it is and it isn't. So there's an optional module where you can decide if you want to, it's, it's about replacing analog resources with digital resources. And I think that really equipped me to think about, and I think you're absolutely right in, in to ask that because actually it equipped us to think about this works this way face to face, but how yeah. can I replace this digitally 
to have a similar or improve and enhance. And I think that's the real key with digital. It's not digital for digital's sake as a nice to have. It's yeah. digital to enhance learning. So how can I swap this analog? So when actually when you basically completely you know wash it over with everything okay everything now has to be digital you lose yeah. that look so yes it is part of the teaching qualification and even yeah. more so now interestingly yeah. they haven't changed so they're still coming out to observe us doing online sessions and i feel like this is it's a bit of a bone of contention for me and i'm interested to see what you both think they haven't actually changed the observation mm. criteria so they're still observing mm. us against the same criteria um, I'm 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 sat I'm sat on my microphone. microphone steaming here. Yeah, it's not the same. It's face to face and online. No, it's no. not the same. You can't treat them in the same way. Exactly, exactly. Um, just ju just before I, I I jump onto that bandwagon, um, can I just um can I just go back to um a point that you made, Sarah, if that's okay, uh -huh. um, and that was around um that it's an optional unit, um that that that's quite surprising to me now, um because I thought that would have been pretty much a a, a mandatory unit, yeah. um that everybody would have to do, and um the point that you said around um around looking at your analog resources and then mm. is it going to work digitally um, is it not that was one of the biggest learning curves mm. um, put aside the actual um platform that we yeah. were hosting learning on put yeah. that aside um the biggest learning curve for me as a professional um as a practitioner was looking at those analog resources the ones that i know have real impact the ones that i know i can track progression as it goes through the ones that i know are tried and tested and have the wow factor because the fine-tuned simply do not transfer digitally straight away or in my experience when i did try to do that um would not have the same impact um, and would not actually have the same learning experience. Um, so that, that was interesting. And with regards to having the same um, observation criteria, dare I say, that's almost criminal. <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm being really honest, that's criminal because that's then turning, that's, it's a completely different method of delivery, which has a range of different things to consider so then to be assessed against something which is almost the polar opposite seems really wrong it's like um, assessing somebody um uh, doing a driving test um by not actually physically being in the car with them um letting um letting them drive around um and um like watching it from from behind um like a telly or it's like it's like sending somebody for a for a driving test but putting them on a motorbike instead and going yeah. oh, well, oh yeah. the same criteria because you're driving on the same well, road exactly yeah. exactly yeah. it's got wheels it has wheels so it's <laughs> well, fine. Exactly. well yeah exactly it's all teaching and it's fine whether yeah, they're physically there with you in the room so you can do all of this or whether they're on the other end of a um, screen um, yeah. it's all the same it's all the same so there's and one there's one point I want to bring up from that actually, and I'm just I'm jumping back to something that you mentioned, Stephen. <clears throat> you said, well, actually two points, I guess. So you said something about um, about well, you've both you've both talked about 
changing your resources to to suit uh, to suit the online platform and what have you. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and and how resources that particularly Stephen, you mentioned that you've got some resources and some activities that work really well in the classroom session. You know, you can get some really good kind of formative assessment from them. You know, it's a really good way of tracking learners and what have you. And some of those resources, are, are, just from my experience and, and when I've been kind of helping out educators, some of those resources look as if they would transfer really well to a particular online method. So, for example, you know, you um, Oh, actually, a good example. I'm going to use one of Sarah's examples. So Sarah had a, a was it a quiz or something like that? And you were wanting to do. It was a couple of weeks ago. You were wanting to do this quiz using something like Slido or Mentimeter or something like that yeah. in an online yeah. session. Yes. And on the face of it, it would work really well. It would work brilliantly as an online, you know, as a, as a sort of synchronous online quiz. Do you remember the one I'm talking about? It was, it was so good. That's what I was going to use. That's so good. Yeah. But what we, after we talked about it, we kind of we decided that it probably wouldn't be a good idea. It, on the face of it, it sounds like a really excellent idea. But because people within the trust are having access these learning platforms that you know kind of teams or starly for what have you because they're all having to access them on different uh you know on different platforms whether it be on a laptop that maybe doesn't have um doesn't have a, a camera or a microphone or they haven't accessed things on their phone or the ipad or what have you it can be tricky and you don't always get that same functionality so when you're trying to redesign activities for use online and for use in 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 a kind of digital space that's an extra layer of consideration that you have to make. So actually, um, I think it was a session that was getting observed um, as part of your PGCE. Wasn't it? We, we had this discussion saying like, you know, if you get, <laughs> almost if you get pulled about it, we're going to have to explain, look, we did consider doing it this way and it would work brilliantly. However, some mm. of the, some of the members of staff would have, would have missed out. It's not, it's not an equitable way to do it. Um, no, definitely not. But to even get to that step, it's about having that awareness, having that knowledge about the inequality yeah. across um, devices and yeah. how people are accessing this. Mm -hmm. um, but even to get there, there's some educators, um, some practitioners across our trust, but I would, I would also say across multiple trusts um, in, in, in the UK, um, that won't necessarily have the skill set or the knowledge of, mm -hmm. to use these different um, mm -hmm. uh, digital applications in mm -hmm. their teaching. And I'm, I, I, I'm not embarrassed to say this, but when I, when I was um, uh, teaching HE, higher education, I, I would use, and I thought this was cutting edge, um, so hip hop to the flip flop that I am. Um, <laughs> I would use QR codes as part of a research activity where I would put that across um, our learning space. So not just in the classroom, but across the, um, the, 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 the learning zone, the library. And I would almost send learners on a treasure hunt going around um, accessing the QR code to bits of research to, for them to um, research, evaluate, and then come back to me. Um, and then at the end, we would have a discussion around that. Now, I thought that was absolutely amazing and cutting edge and absolutely fantastic. However, since COVID, um, 
I've, I've had my eyes open to a whole range of different um, tools that can be used. Somebody who, um, who, who, who qualified um, over a decade ago, and these were something that somebody would mention very briefly towards the end of a session, mm -hmm. um, is that was, I, I would say that's probably my first big hurdle that I had to overcome. I'm so lucky that I had access to you guys being um, the technology enhanced learning team um, because that was a great way to support me in identifying what I didn't know, helping me to increase my knowledge, my awareness, my skill set, um, and giving me that scaffolding, that confidence to, to, to embrace this and look at different things. Um, but I think one of my greatest concerns and takeaway is that there's an awful lot of educators both in um, standard education and in um, like NHS trust education wherever um, who won't necessarily have that knowledge that awareness that support um, that I was lucky to have moving moving yeah. on to this delivery. This is great. St Stephen's basically justifying us doing this podcast, isn't he? <laughs> well, I, well, I, no, I totally agree. And I think, sorry, I'm just going to interject because I just have an example of that because I had a school nurse who attended one of my sessions on Starleaf approach me and ask me if she could come and sit in the office with me while I delivered a session. So this is like the, the level of hats that the, the professionals in our, in our trust are wearing. She was a school nurse. So she was being expected to deliver training about EpiPens to a school full a school hall full of kids via an online platform. She didn't have a teaching qualification. Training was part of our rules. So she had like, a, I think she had a, an award in education and training. Um, so she was asked, being asked to do that. And on top of that, then the additional levels of the technology that isn't part of her every day. So she doesn't come into an office where she's able to use a computer every day. She probably has, she has a laptop for record keeping, but what I would imagine if I was going to assume, say she probably knows the basics in terms of that recording and what she needs to know. So for her, it was very much, you know, can I come and, can I come and watch you? Do it. So I know how, how it all works and how you manage a session online because I've never done it before. So I think... Yeah. Well, that's a great idea. But then, I know, so it's like, actually, it wasn't the teaching side of things, the, the andragogy, the pedagogy. It was the, can I just sit and watch what you actually do because I've never done it before? And I think it's these little communities, isn't it? Like you say, these little communities of support, this little collaborative community of learning that we're creating from COVID because I think they're kind of sprouting up in really unusual places where they wouldn't necessarily have before. There's a big focus at work at the minute isn't there on um, subject matter experts like gathering gathering together these sort of communities of practice and um, mm -hmm. uh, you know getting the getting all the SMEs to work with workforce development instead of instead of not necessarily against, but you know, getting getting everybody to work together to to improve learning outcomes. Really, it's it, 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 it's much more a collaborative approach now, and I think that collaborative approach has been actually spurred on because of um because of the pandemic, and I I don't think it would have come on leaps and bounds like it has if it hadn't have been on the back of that, and I think the collaborative approach is much much more 
easier and more i mean the benefits for it, it, it it's just a no-brainer it's absolutely a no-brainer but rather than having people working very much siloed working and then struggling and not having the support to have the scaffolding of a, a, a of educators and that's their role and so, so, so like myself with learning and development my role is to actually facilitate create deliver evaluate learning to provide a bespoke um and um and um OD elements and things like that so that that's what i'm employed to do mm-hmm. as a practitioner that's my day-to-day subject matter experts yes if they are clinical educators aspects of their role is to deliver training and to facilitate learning in a particular area but they still have clinical duties they still have what yeah. i would class as their main day job mm-hmm. um and I think if one thing, one good thing's come out of this is that they, um, certainly for our trust, there's much more of a collaborative approach moving forward. However, though, um, my biggest worry with the way that things are at the moment, with we're just literally coming out of a second lockdown, having a stricter tier system, um, which I do feel like I need a hanky for, um, is that we're going to potentially be in a situation where the the need and the importance on um, delivering in a more creative and a more innovative way, um, either through um, a, a virtual method, is is becoming so much the norm and the expectation. But then we've got a huge skill gap. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and and that really worries me, yeah. that, that massively concerns me. And as, as a practitioner who is employed specifically for learning and development, for education, I have or I've had the opportunity um, to, to enhance and, and increase my skill set, but my concerns for my colleagues who don't have that luxury mm-hmm. and are presented with like a whole almost a new way of learning a new way of of delivering learning um and that that actually that quite scares me do you do you think do you think there's any any chance that we'll go backwards sarah and i discussed this in in last week's episode do you think there's any chance that we'll go but i'm not going to say back to the old normal but do you think we'll do you think we'll take a step back what what i would love to see is uh, this just just me from my own um, perspective? Um, I feel like I'm almost on Twitter. All these opinions are my own, um, <laughs> <laughs> so I'll put that disclaimer in there. Um, this has got nothing to do with my trust. These are my opinions. I think that um, a more blended approach to the way we deliver learning is the best way to move forward. So I do think there's, there, there is still really good merit in face-to-face delivery. I think it's got such huge positives as well as negatives like everything else has. Um, but I think there's certain elements that um, I think we should have face-to-face. And I think um, some, of my own, um, some of my own development from this is that there's certain aspects which um, I think um, lend themselves massively um, well to online learning, but in um, in a reusable learning outcome um, oh. manner. So little bite-sized nuggets of learning 
um, which um, hopefully moving forward, people can dip in and out of. Um, the, if there's a need to record them, they can record them on whatever method that, that, that gets used for that, for revalidation or for competencies. Um, but that's ideally what I would love to see. Um, so not going back, not going backwards, because I don't really think that that would be um, a worthwhile thing, because all of the all of the new learning, all of the new knowledge, is just going to get wasted. Um, but I think I think definitely a blended approach. Mm. And there's my little rant over. No, really interesting the things that you were saying, and I'm wondering. I guess it's a kind of follow up on your point because you're talking about the thing about meeting learners' needs and about bite sized mm -hmm. and things like that. What do you think the impact of this? the pandemic and on, on education has been on learners. So learners who attend our course, what do you think the impact is? And what do you think, how do you think learners are finding it from your experience? Um, so I think, I, I think I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to be, um, I'm going to define something first before I go into it. So okay. um, work-based learning, which mm -hmm. is, where where what I currently do so I think I think for our learners um I think one of their biggest struggles has been around embracing the technology and yeah. um accessing that as a learner and um, being able to engage in whatever um um approaches we use on that um on that new um method of delivery um and as we touched upon um, earlier, it's the um, is is it equitable for everybody um, to to be able to have all of the same equipment to access that? I mean, without sounding really negative, um, I I have access on my um, work laptop. Um, however, if I'm sat on my PC, I don't have speakers, I don't have um, a, a webcam, so some basic bits of equipment I don't necessarily have access to. I do because I've got a work laptop, and that's how I actually go about doing that. But this, this is me as an educator, me as a practitioner, um, whereas um, any, any one of my learners potentially could be from porter, cleaner, all the way up to chief exec. Um, and anything in between so there's a full range from there so I think from our perspective of being in learning and development in the workplace I think it's got a whole different host of challenges I think in standard education it's got a completely different um, answer and a completely different impact with work-based learning because a lot of the courses we deliver um, or statutory or mandatory um, or ni nice to have as it's badged which I personally don't really like that comment because that's almost like best practice um, mm. things aren't nice to have they're not best practice these are brilliant pieces of learning that develop people's um, skill set knowledge and influence the way they, um, uh, they deliver their service it's not best practice not nice to have um, that's another little rant. The yeah, the best quality of education for all of our learners. Well, you know, exactly. Not, not nice to have. It should be the standard, the norm. You know that. Exactly. That exactly. Um, but it, it, at least, at least with that, because um, uh, everybody we come into contact with is a professional, regardless of what their role is, regardless of their abandon or anything like that. They're all professionals, so there's a certain level 
of respect and there's a certain level of understanding with regards to how we deliver learning and what's been really interesting is that yes we have embraced and we have done a lot of online delivery however we've still managed to um, have reduced class sizes and still manage to have a blended approach by um, um, having face-to-face -face sessions and I think that has allowed us to um to still meet the needs generally um of um of the um the the employees at the trust mm. so Sorry, I wanted... that was a really long-winded answer wasn't it <laughs> <laughs> i wanted so the, the blended approach is working really well and i think learners I think the, the learners in the, or anecdotally, the learners in the trust seem to really appreciate that more, that more blended approach. And actually they've, they've taken to the online, the online side of it really well. Um, I want to jump back a little bit to the online delivery side of things, because when, when our trust in particular started out doing online delivery, we, we were using um, a program called Starleaf. So that was, it's, it's essentially a, it's like a sort of web conference and uh, tool really, isn't it? Um, it, it's, it's video conferencing yeah with it, a little bit of instant messaging that's what yeah, it is it's, it's it was tricky to do kind of online delivery but now we've 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 got teams enabled so everything's going to be moving across to there but i want to i just want to hear from the two of you what do you think are the are the what have you learned from doing online delivery and what do you think are your sort of like your key you know your key top tips if anyone's looking to to start doing online delivery because learning a platform's straightforward that's that that's the bit that that we can manage but in terms of actual you know delivery and teaching online what do you what are your sort of top tips hmm. um I'll let, I'll let you take that one first sarah <laughs> if i was going to give a top tip my first top tip would be get out there and watch other people do it is get yeah. in touch with as many people as you possibly can who are delivering online and ask them to go and see because I think one of the things that I, that we didn't have was was the ability to do that in the trust and see it done over Starly. So I think get out there, watch as many people as you can in terms of CPD because, um, yeah, I think I would say that's my first top tip. In terms of what I've learned from it, um, I certainly have learned many things. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just think of some specific things in the short time that you've given us to answer. Um, I think one of the things is I'm a social constructivist. We Woo! discussed this last week. We love one of the things I find really difficult. So the, the case discussion and safeguarding is where most of the learning comes. You know, practitioners come to the sessions with uh, quite a good prior knowledge of the subject, let's be fair and realistic. So some of the case discussion is really important. And you really lose that on Starleaf and I think one of the things that I've learned is about targeting mm -hmm. directed questioning you're learning from peers but you're not engaging in that kind of social constructivist I'm hoping that Teams is going to open that up with the ability well, for breakout rooms and things like yeah, that. Yeah yeah potentially and I think that's a really really good point sorry to jump in but I got no, really excited okay. from hearing what you said. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, completely agree with that. So I think teams will enable us to um, have much more of a supportive and inclusive learning environment, which yeah. is going to be much easier to manage. However, for, again, making assumptions here, but for, for topics like safeguarding, where it's very much rich conversations, it, I, I think it sometimes depends upon the comfortability 
that's a new word I've just made up, um, of, of our learners with the technology. And if there's an initial fear or apprehension that, oh my goodness, what I see, it could be recorded because it's over the Tinder web. Is it going to be going on there? Is there going to be any potential issues around that? Um, this morning I delivered a caring and courageous conversation session face-to-face. Mm. And when they when they get delivered face-to-face, there's always some kind of um, disclosure with regards to an experience that somebody's had, I have a leading uh, conversation, which was a vital or a challenging one, being on the receiving end. The whole idea of the caring and courageous is to rethink our mindset and how we're going to approach these things, just mm-hmm. to make sure that it's done in a more empathetic way, that it um, relates to our trusts, um, visions and values, and the um, the cornerstone um, program, which I don't think I can mention because then that alludes to where we're um, from. Um, but um, yeah, doing that over, um, doing that online. Um, there's certain elements that, that, that get lost through an online delivery. Mm. Yeah, I can imagine, to be fair, in terms of courage, courageous and challenging conversations, because hmm, it's a very different dynamic when you're doing that online. Yeah, um, yeah. What specifically do you think is difficult about it? I think it's I think it's initially because it involves a lot of reflective practice Mm. initially when we're in there um, uh, there's a very loose reflect not not a core reflective cycle like Gibbs or 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 anybody like that but um, there's some loose questions which um, I ask um, learners to have five minutes just reflecting answering those questions either thinking of one particular example or just generally reflecting going off those questions we don't share that um, but um, that influences a lot of um, when we look at different um, like models or different um, approaches we keep going back to that and what normally happens is that when we um, refer back to it the second or the third time, that's when we normally have a more really rich conversations mm-hmm. and it becomes much more a peer, um, a peer learning approach um, where somebody will give an example of, oh, well, this happened one time when I um, has, was talking about this topic. Has anybody else found that? And then it becomes much more... Um, really a facilitated collaborative approach and aren't those buzzwords lovely <laughs> yeah I'm playing <laughs> online? sorry I'm just I mean, this is a, almost like a, a naughty selfish question but how do you manage that online that reflective discussion no when you say online on, on, online it's really difficult to do so because mm-hmm. people are apprehensive um, in my experience of delivering that session, people are apprehensive if it's online. Whereas when you're in that room, um, what I try and do at the beginning of absolutely every single session I do, um, and Carrie, you've been um, you've been in in the room for some sessions, yeah. um, is I I really try in the first mm-hmm. ten minutes to create a supportive and inclusive learning environment and I try to use as much humour. I don't actively go out my way to do it but it calms me down and my style of delivery is quite 
I don't want to use manic in a bad way, <laughs> manic in a good way, and with topics and areas that that that, that potentially come up around that. Um, I find spending time to establish that um, using the, um, the the handle um, "Hello, my name is," and then spending more time from there and having a general conversation to put people at ease. Then we go to the reflective account. So doing that online, I've not been able to get a happy medium. So the way that I have suggested it is a bit of pre-session work yeah. around that reflection. Mm. Um, but it still doesn't have that same kind of gravitas. It just it, it sort of goes to show though, doesn't it, that 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 not everything translates really well in a online delivery, which is which kind of comes back to our point actually about the fact that that you can't really be expected to to have come from a a face to face background, you know, years of delivering face to face, and then suddenly be thrust into an online environment and everything just work. You know, it's a, it's a different type of delivery, isn't it? Um, oh, completely. Right. I think we'll. I think we're going to have to call it a call it a day. We've. Uh, we've so we've, sorry. We've covered about half of the stuff that we wanted to. So we're going. <laughs> even we're going to have to invite you on the podcast again if if you're willing. Well, you know, I'll I'll have to send you a new rider, um, <laughs> and if you can meet Madame Mans, then yes, definitely. Um, so, but you, you you know what happens though, Carrie, when it's a subject I'm really passionate about, just like yourself. Time well, becomes a weird concept. Yeah, and uh, the very same thing happen, happens to Sarah and I. We could, we could yeah. just waste hours. To, no, sorry, not waste. Spend. That's we could spend saying. hours just... It's reflective practice anyway, isn't it? Yeah. P.S. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I'm learning. I'm learning, me. I was like, oh, how do you do well, that in an online session? Tell well, me. The way you said that, you need a Ralph Wiggum meme that just says, that says, I'm learning, me. Which is brilliant and about to brilliant. Yeah. But, then, but then on the flip side of that, Sarah, I'm learning as well. And from from what we've discussed in this, in this time, um has really helped me and it reaffirms some of the things that I've been doing that have been really good. But then there's loads that I feel like I still need to get a grips with because it's continual learning. And I think in swapping the way that we deliver things um, and the approach that we take to, to, to online learning and digital literacy, I think it's a continual learning um, process. And I think if anybody turns around and says, actually, I know absolutely everything about everything, then it's looking at them going, yeah, right, okay, jog on. Well, things change so quickly, though, don't they? I mean, just, oh, just, yeah. just quickly, just quickly before we before we end. Um, towards, I think it was the beginning of the beginning of twenty twenty or thereabouts. We, we as a trust, we're fine to say where we're from. I think people are going to figure out that we're from Newcastle, with given my <laughs> given my jolly accent, you know. Um, so my my Mackinness is covering us up, Carrie. Like. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, I, I'm a sand dancer, so I'm in between. Oh, blame me. So yes. Yeah, so, well, actually, technically, I'm a Northumbrian. Anyway, we're going to point. Um, so I think it was at the beginning of this year we we as a trust got in a. a a bunch of Oculus Quest virtual reality headsets. We had we had a few plans for them. We were using them in kind of uh, learning development, uh, not learning development, in leadership sessions. We had this brilliant game that we that we were playing. Uh, all credit goes to Stephen Brown for that. He he came up with the with the idea of using this as a communication tool. Um, so we got these headsets. Obviously, COVID struck. Uh, there was infection control 
kind of risks with them. And now we're kind of, I've totally forgotten my point now. And this happened last time as well, didn't it? Now infection control <laughs> looked at them and now they're not fit. No, oh, well, no, infection, infection control have looked at them again and gone, oh, actually, yeah, we didn't spot that it was a fabric bit there. So, so um, oh, yeah, I remember my point. So, um, so we got these six headsets, had grand plans for them, but now, you know, nine, ten months has passed since we've been able to use them. And actually, the, by the time we get around to using them again, and by the, time, by the time we get them cleared by infection control, by the infection control team, they're going to be out of date. You know, and that's the pace of technology is that anybody who says this, I say, I remember my point, anybody who says that they're, that they're fully up to date with everything and know everything that they need to know about learning technology is kidding themselves. You know, there's something new to learn all the time because the technology is changing at a rapid pace. You know, platforms are changing. Um, the hardware is changing, software is changing, mm -hmm. tools and techniques. Yeah, definitely. Oh, God. Definitely. I mean... Well, well, well j just, just as you were saying, um, we, we adapted to a, a, essentially a video conferencing tool for our um, online delivery. Now um, we're having to adapt to Teams. Yeah. And um, I need to put a lot of time in to learn Teams because I concentrate my effort on, the, um, on Starleaf. So yeah. that's something I need to do. Um, so put me in front of Starleaf and get me to de to deliver. Now I feel quite um, confident with that because I've had I've invested the time. Put me in front of Teams now, mm -hmm. or, or or even Zoom, um, and um, I do not know what's going on there because I haven't invested that time. Not a familiar. So learning's continual yeah. um, around using these um, um, uh, these platforms. Well, I think what we'll I think what we'll I think what we'll do is we'll so but let's let's uh let's finish where we'll finish this chat here but I think I'm gonna I'm gonna make a note that we need to talk about about these things in more in more detail so we need to talk about the different platforms you know how they can help and hinder um where I, I think there's some there's some extra discussion there about about engaging learners in online environments you know regardless of which platform you're using and I definitely we definitely need to touch on assessment oh Undoubtedly, yeah. we yes. need to touch on assessment. Mm -hmm. It's a meaty one, a meaty one. That's, that's a, that is that is definitely a meaty one. So I think we'll I think we'll note that on the Padlet board, and we'll 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 get together for a discussion about that one in uh, in the the very near future. How does that sound? Sounds great. Champion. Brilliant. Champion. Champion. Spurn, uh, as a Northumbrian would say, spurn. Mint, as a Macam would say. <laughs> a a, a Macam who. Holy Kushti. <laughs> <laughs> okay cheers totally everyone thanks, thanks very much for that chat that was excellent thanks Brilliant. thanks Gary thanks Steve thanks Gary thanks Sarah great chat Oh, so once again we got completely carried away I think this is going to end up being a, a theme of this podcast actually um, so some really interesting discussion there. I hope you'll agree. Um, I loved I loved Stephen's uh, reference in the beginning to working in HANFE as being in the trenches. Uh, we we found that quite funny. A uh, couple of really interesting points that that were raised during that though. The first one was um, around a tool belt of techniques that educators kind of build up throughout the practice, and I think that's a really interesting point that you're building up your tool your sort of tool belt of techniques based on the type of delivery you do most of. So for Stephen, obviously that's that's face-to-face -face delivery. So he's got a, a whole range of techniques that, that apply to that. 
So having to then kind of upend that and, and move, you know, d develop this new tool belt of techniques for online delivery, you know, it's some kind of new territory for them. Another really interesting point that came out was when Sarah and Stephen were talking about the way that educators are taught. So, so Stephen did his, his training some 12 years ago. Sarah's busy doing a PGCE now. She's, um, she's previously qualified uh, with a level five, but she's doing a PGCE now. And I got my PGCE about three years ago. Uh, so it's interesting actually that educators up to this point really aren't taught that much about delivering online and using you know using different kind of methods it's all it's all based around you know the stereotypical kind of classroom delivery so it just raises a point really about whether that will have to change from now going forward you know our our edu will educators have to be have to be introduced to to more online methods of delivery uh, as standard so that concludes episode two of the podcast we didn't manage to, to talk about all the things that we were intending on, so we've, uh, we've noted them down for a future episode. If you want to get involved in the conversation, please feel free to get in touch. We're more than happy to have extra guests on the podcast. Um, you know, we, we want to hear from a range of different people, uh, both through our trust and through trusts up and down the country. You know, we're, we're, we're really keen to get as many people as, as possible involved in this. So please do just get in touch. Um, the details are on our Twitter page, which is uh, show underscore tell, or you can email us at showandtellpodcast at gmail.com. So we look forward to hearing you in the next episode. Uh, stay in touch. Bye.